racing on towards the final furlong. Trushan on the far side. Coltrane on the near side. They have it between them. Trawlerman back in third. Coltrane just in front by a nose. But Trushan is fighting back on the far side. And he's beginning to get there. Trushan and Coltrane head to head towards the line. Trushan wins again. Acceleration is asked. The response is instantaneous. An acceleration on a great day for Ireland is absolutely going to wrap them in the QE2 and have his day on British Champions Day in the sun. Desert sensation, Highland Reel, and behind these poets' word, but Cracksman is storming away here. It's going to be a champion stakes at last for Frankie Dettori, and in style. Frankel moves alongside, Queely's finger poised on the button for one final electric burst. Frankel bidding to settle it. Cyrus de Zegler is making a fight of it on the far side. Frankel extends. Cyrus de Zegler is a worthy adversary, but up towards the line. All comers, all grounds, all beaten. Frankel won the champion stakes and lives up to the title. And who will live up to the title this year? Welcome along to the Final Forum Podcast. I'm Emma Kennedy. It is great to have your company, and I'm delighted to be joined by six-time champion tipster Paul Jacobs, who's going to mark our card for Champions Day at Ascot, and we need a bit of help because we know the going is going to be atrocious, but we have no idea which track they're going to be running on. But have no fear, Paul is here to make sense of the form, the going, and of course the all-important betting markets. Let's begin with the first race of the day, the Kipco British Champions Long Distance Cup. It's a Group 2, and it's live on ITV, Sky Sports Racing, and Racing TV. The betting is headed by last year's outstanding stair, Kiprios, ridden by Ryan Moore and trained by Aidan O'Brien. Kiprios is a best price 11-8. to Trushan for Holly Doyle and Alan King bidding for his fourth consecutive win in the race. Extraordinary record. He is 2-1 to one, and he comes out of stall 7. Paul Jacobs, who do you like in our opening live race, the Long Distance Cup? I mean, as far as this race is concerned, I mean, I don't have a really strong view in it. And I, I understand what you said about Trushan coming back to form in the Bidu Cadron, but still leaves him 8 or £9 pound below his very best. Uh, and does Kiprios retain all of his ability? Aidan O'Brien tends to suggest he does, going by what you have said to me. And I think the prices are probably about right. I'd probably have them at six to four joint favourites. I know Kiprios is as short as five to four. Trushan at two to one. The only thing I can tell you about this race is if all eight stand their ground, it's a great race for an each way play. Mm. Could be any of the third placing, having a shot, because one of the top two will most probably run below form. I think we can almost take that for granted. Kiprios still on the comeback trail. Trushan Still yet to show he's as good as he was at his magnificent best. The only thing we can possibly say is that his max event won't be in the first three, which leaves you down to seven. Well, I'd be playing in the race. I have an anti-post. I won't be on the day. If you push me over a cliff to say who's going to win, I'd probably say Trujan, but with absolutely no conviction at all. He's won on soft three times. He's won on heavy yeah. two times. Um, Kiprios has yeah. won on heavy twice as well. Um and has posted his best racing post rating on heavy ground. So I wouldn't have any issue yeah. with, with him at all. I would choose Kiprios in, in this. Trushan was brilliant the other day. Uh, but Kiprios beat him fair and square last season. And I, I asked Aiden, like, is the plan to bring Kiprios back next year and go for the Gold Cup? And he said it is. So you're not thinking about next year if you think that this horse has not retained his ability. They did almost lose him. Uh, it's amazing that, that he's still with us, thankfully, and yeah, absolutely. How much, and and he also has a very good record, fresh. So perhaps the defeat uh, on Irish Champions Weekend, when he was an odds-on favorite behind Elder Alderov, is a little bit more disappointing. But I think the circumstances are very different for him. Like he did almost die. It has taken them a while to get him back, 
And I don't think they would run him unless they were very, very pleased with him. And no, I, I agree with you. Uh, the only one thing I would say on top of that is, with the first two, the big two in the batting, is a lot of water has gone under the bridge since both of them posted their career bests. Yeah. A lot of water. And that's that's the reason why, as a betting proposition, I'm not going to take this race seriously. Yeah, I get it. Uh, would you give a chance to Sweet William? Well, we know he likes the ground, but how much has he got to find? Plenty. Plenty. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, you know, we come to this meeting year in, year out, and we discuss it. One of the biggest factors, which is hugely underrated, is the freshness factor, which, of course, plays in Kiprios's favour. A lot of these horses have raced since May, and varying grounds have had maybe three or four hard races. The longer the distance, the more of a mark that will leave on a horse as against the sprinters who can take it an awful lot better. Therefore, they race more times. I mean, that's just common sense. You don't need to be a brain surgeon to understand that. I think freshness this time around with the ground as it is yet again, is again going to be a really, really big factor. Okay, I'm with Kiprios. I'm not massively bullish, but I think he'll win. I'm just not, I can't tell you like, oh yeah, Kiprios and he's the nap. But I'm confident he'll win. I'm not extremely bullish. Maybe that's... Okay, no, I get that. I get that. Trushan for you? I almost want to go no selection, but I know you're going to push me for selection every way. So, I mean, for example, if you gave me a pot of ten thousand pound to play during the day, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a penny on this race. Okay, bear but that Trushan in mind. Would 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 be the selection. Bear that in mind, Trushan, mm. but with a note of caution. So one for the multiples, yes, maybe. Uh, oh, absolutely. And certainly absolutely. not one to be unloading the whole clip on as we <laughs> as we not. head into the first race of the day. Uh, <laughs> right, I, the. Uh, see now, to go to ask it with one of those big silver clips like with 10 grand in the silver clip yeah and every time I go to the bookmakers in the main ring you're like mm, uh, with my thumb thumb it out well, oh wouldn't that be the left it's isn't it it's a bit I think we all know who you're referring to there anyway six furlong Kipco British champion sprint stakes <laughs> Ken Ross has been drawn in stall eight Frankie Dettori's farewell tour that's not really a farewell tour because he'll be back for a while ask it next year isn't it a great world uh, seven to four about Kinross, last year's winner. The Dream is 7-1. to one, comes out of stall two. Sandrine is in 15 for Oshin Murphy and Andrew Balding, a 9-1 to one shot. Millstream, first-time tongue-tie. William Buick, Jane Chappelheim, stall 14, 10-1. Spycatcher for Karlberg, a 12 shot from stall nine. Rohan got six. Ryan Moore on board again uh, for David Evans, a 14-1 to one shot. And Art Power comes out of trap one, 20 to 1 for Tim Easterby and David Allen. Where are you looking, my man? Well, first of all, I, I think we've got the right favourite. Then you have to work out in your own mind is Kinross too short for you or not? Current holder goes on the ground, stays the trip extremely well. I think there are each way alternatives to him. And I think the market has been well found here, Emmett. Uh, during the last week, a lot of horses are shortened up, quite rightly, for Dream, who she handles this and would. She would handle it bottomless, wouldn't she, if it was? I think she was available at 14 to 1 beginning of the week, down to 7 to 1 now. But there are each way plays here. I thought Spycatcher has a really good chance. If Clifford Lee just takes a Pullman in early doors, I don't want him to be prominent as he normally races. I want him to be more midfield because I, when he actually is prominent, you tend to find that he overraces that little bit more than he should do. He has about six or seven pounds to find with King Ross. But I think these are his ideal conditions. And I think he'll go well. I think a double-figure price each way. I think the price has gone for the dream. If there's going to be a, a big shock here, it's Sense of Duty, who's always been very highly regarded by uh, W. Haggis. I was at Newbury when made a comeback after 455 days. And 
Tom Marquand was very, very easy uh, on um, her once a chance had gone and just eased her home. But it's really noticeable in the final three quarters of the furlong without any kind of a pressure, she was actually closing down the winners. And if you have a look at her previous form before that break, when she beat an half by four and a half lengths at Newcastle in the Chichester Stakes, she doesn't have a massive amount to find and the, and the ground won't be a problem for her. I'm not saying she's going to win, but I think there are each way alternatives to Kim Ross, who could be a dabble too short here. So, I mean, I've had an each way bet on Sense of Duty at 33, and I might go in and have an each way on Spy Catcher because I think there's betting room to manoeuvre. Value, very subjective. That's the way I see it. Other people will see it differently. But I will be having a win and a place bet uh, on Spy Catch on top of my anti-post bet on Sense of Duty. And Sense of Duty has been slashed from 33s into 20s, so they're ducking for yeah. cover from the six-time champion tipster. Yeah. There's a couple of horses I'm interested in in this race. If you're, if you're looking for a cheat okay. code, Norval was on to me, our stats man, and he says that 11 of the last 12 winners had a rating of 112 or higher. So just knock out anything that doesn't fall into the 112 bracket, which basically takes out the vast majority of this field, by the way. That would only leave you with yeah, Sandrine, Art Power, Run to Freedom, and Kinross. I really like St. Lawrence, but I don't know what to make huh? of that run the other day. He arguably should have won the Group 1 in Deauville over six and a half furlongs. Not Holly Doyle's fault, because she makes the move at the right time. She just gets blocked twice. Significant interference, and there's not a whole lot she can do about that. But he rallied really strongly. And he's only beaten half a length in Group 1 company behind King of Gold. That was on very soft ground. Then he lines up at Haydock, drifts from 12 to 1 out to 40s, finishes ninth, but is only beaten five lengths. That I couldn't get my head around. If you can ignore that and just say, well, he wasn't right that day and horses aren't machines, I don't know what to make of that run. It's confused me. But he's 50s and the ground is terrible and he should be okay on it. And it's Holly Doyle and Archie Watson. And that might be just too big. But I'll give you a bit of hope on him because he's, I think Haydock is the New York. Yeah, in that it's a track that's unfathomable nowadays since they changed the makeup of the track. And he's run twice at Haydock, ninth of 10. And then in this year's big race, where you say he drifted badly and he was ninth of 16. So I'd be quite happy to write off those two runs at Haydock and say, base it on his previous form. I, I very rarely have a better Haydock, as I very rarely have a better York nowadays because. I think they're both mental tracks. There is no science to it at all. And yet you see York having the same configuration at Doncaster. And yet, for me, Doncaster, it seems to work out as a much more genial track for for the punter than York has ever done for me. So Haydock and York, I kind of um, potter together in the same basket. That's a very good explanation of Haydock, and I hadn't thought of that. And that gives me a lot of hope for him because Absolutely. his best racing post rating is one, two, six, and it came on heavy ground yes. and he was beaten. So he's placed twice from three runs on heavy ground, but achieved his, yeah. his, um, his top RPR rating, uh, which he is still one, two, six going into the weekend. So look at 50 to one, I'm, I'm going to throw a few quid on him. I've kind of hummed and hawed on this in that I kind of think Kinross is a good thing. But do you really want to be saying that about the defending champion who maybe doesn't look to have the turn of foot that he had last year? Aiden O'Hara made a really much. yeah, Aiden O'Hara made a really strong case for Kalina at fifty to one on this show on Arc Weekend, and the horse duly obliged. Uh, so I wasn't surprised that Kalina won that day. Maybe on another day, Kinross get gets up to win. It's the seven to four doesn't suit. And so the other one that interested me, uh, along with Saint Lawrence, this is where you're going to call the men in white coats. This is where you're going to say, oh, oh. finally he's gone completely bonkers. Art Power. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
That's that's almost for it. That's almost the best that, reaction. <laughs> that's almost the best reaction I could have got. The great thing about when you and I do this podcast, right? There's no looking up. There's no sucking up, right? <laughs> if you believe in something, state your case. Be constructive. Yes, I have. I have massive respect for what anybody says because every pundit in horse racing is wrong many, 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 many more times than they're right. So I, you can't diss anybody's view, but I'm dissing of you on this. It's the first time it's ever happened in my life. I just want it to be known. You are now no longer a maiden of me dissing your views in horse racing. And I, you know I love you, Emmett, and I respect I'm, you. I'm pretty sure you've dissed my views before, my man. <laughs> Have you got any night nurse to hand just to take now? No night nurse, but plenty of coffee, and we can always Irish that coffee up if we need to. No, but I, I love it that you have a radical view on a race because... I'm looking at the ground situation. The wheels will spin for Kinross, and it might just be that he's the perfect horse for this race. Ideally suited to it. He, he has the stamina the for further. Yeah. yeah, he's the defending champion. There's an awful... It's Frankie's farewell, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Like, there's a lot there that, that works. Frankie, Rafe Beckett's Frankie. horses are, are flying it to. He's just... He's seven to four. So what's there? And then you, you go down through the, the profile of these horses. You go down through the list of form. What was it late last night that made me decide, hey, do you know what? The 20 to 1 about a horse who's raced 16 times in Class 1 company, never mind Group 1, Class 1 company, mm-hmm. and never won 14 times in Group 1 company and has only managed one place. What's the appealing mm-hmm. thing about him? His ability to handle the ground. The fact that he's won yeah, three I'm times not- at this time of year. The fact that his days since a run, his best performances in days since a run come within a gap of 15 to 25 days. It's 20 days since his last run. He's run 14 times under that scenario, won four times, placed once. He's never won more than once under any other circumstance for days between a run. Is a winner at Ascot already. Obviously loves the distance. Seven races, four wins on soft, one place. Uh, two runs on heavy, one place. Sandrine was the other one I was looking at. I just don't think she has the class that he does. Agree. And she's not as big a price either. She's a 9-1 to shot. He's a 20s shot. So I'm probably throwing good money after bad here on, on these two horses. I'm going to back St. Lawrence and Art Power. And I'm going to do combination forecasts and tricasts with Kinross on our power, St. Lawrence and Kinross. Okay, no, fair enough, fair enough. We'll then be asking Nama for a bailout probably after the race. The Kipco <laughs> British Champions Phillies and Mare Stakes Group 1 sees Frankie Dettori and John and Thady Gosden at the top of the biting with a free wind. Of course, they are currently leading the Trainers' Championship, but Aidan O'Brien is barreling down after them and has a whole lot of firepower to unleash and more firepower than they do. They've got free wind here. That's a four to one shot. Joined at the top of the betting by Aidan O'Brien's Jackie O who tries them all four for the first time. Most horses who win this race have already won at least twice over the distance but Hydrangea had not. She hadn't even raced over a mile four until this race and she won it. Jackie O has only had seven starts as well. Very much an unexposed horse. Four to one at time lock. Six to one shot. Blue stocking. First time cheek pieces. Ross Ryan on for Rafe Beckett at ten to one shot. Comes out of stall eleven and above the curve goes for Dylan Brown McGonagall and Joseph O'Brien at twelve to one shot. Paul Jacobs, who are you with? After the Lily Dantry where free wind blew out totally on soft ground John Gosling came out with the immortal quote it was the ground that got her but if the ground got her and the Lily Langtry she's got no chance of winning this unless they're liars and I think John's a very personable guy and he tells the truth one of the best ambassadors this sport has one of the best men to to interview that the sport has as well nicest guy always got time for everybody I think this despite the numbers I think this is very poor renewal of the Phillies and Mares agreed and I I backed two anti-posts but I think I've got the winner here and this will be my nap of the day. A filly I've followed throughout a, a sojourns in France who's looked like she's just an out-and-out slayer, takes time to warm up, 
I think the leaders will come back whatever the pace in this race. Um, and uh, she's run some brilliant races this season as well. She was two lengths off Warm Heart in the uh, Priva May when the ground was in favour of Warm Heart and not for her. And then she was four lengths off Silk, so, um, uh, Sea Silk Road in the Prix de Royale at uh, Longchamp on the 30th of September. Again, oh. getting going too late. She's crying out for giving the ground. Rue Boissonnard, number 11 on the card. Gerald Mosse gets on well there. He knows how to run. She has to be hidden, but she has to be set alight some way from home. So it's a very fine dividing line with this filly habit. She doesn't want to see so much day daylight, but Gerald Mossy knows he's on an out-and-out -out stair who lengthens rather than quickens and will definitely go on the ground. And I think at a double-figure price, if he, he gets if he gets those tactics right, now, and, and, and it's small margins with her, it's very small margins. I backed her at uh, 25 to 1 last week. I think she's got a great chance. And the other one, who I fear, again, is a double-figure price, is terms of endearment who's been laid out for this race and has plenty to find on the official figures. But when she won last time out at Cork in the Gift Bank Stakes, what a great filly she was, by the way. I thought she was hugely impressive. And yes, she needs to step forward, but she comes here again. And there's, there's, here's the old um, the old factor again coming into play, Emmett. She comes here relatively fresh compared to a lot of her rivals. So I like the French filly and I like Term of Endearment. I think those at the top of the market have plenty uh, of Achilles uh, weaknesses in their armory here and I don't think it's a great renewal. No it's not and this has been the long term plan for Term of Endearment and they've been hoping to get the ground they're getting as well and Tom Marquand is booked yeah. for the ride on a line through library she'd have a fair bit to find but this ground will <laughs> level things up a fair bit. I think the French horse is a really interesting one because yeah. horses who ran in France on their previous start when this race is won on soft ground, they've got a great record. I think there's five renewals. Have they really? Or a horse I didn't who, know that. So yeah, there's know. five renewals of this race where it was, it's been run on soft or worse than that, where the horse who won it had had their previous run in France. And that was drawing me to Jackie O. And it still yeah, yeah, is, yeah. to be honest. And I like the comments from Aiden yesterday. Look, Save the Last Dance is out for the, for the rest of the season. She comes back next year. Warm Hearts. It's been the Breeders' Cup has been the plan for her, and she needs better ground yes, anyway. And she'll course. she'll win out there. I think she's a solid moral out there. Jackie O does need to step up, but she's been improving all the time. She's only had the seven runs so far this season, and that's in her entire career. She didn't race as a juvenile, and she is progressing all the time. I thought she was she was unlucky behind Lemire Rock. Probably the the one occasion where you'd really criticize Ryan Moore. Turned form around with Lemire Rock in France the other day uh, when chasing home Blue Rosen, and when Blue Rosen is on home territory, she seems to be unbeatable. Take her to Goodwood, where the jockey needs his sat nav, and um, <laughs> and Ryan Moore will eat him for breakfast. But on that occasion, oh, you're horrible man, that, you're horrible, man. Uh, that was a pretty horrid effort. Uh, Gloria's good one. I liked it. She's just coming good at the right time. The point you make about free wind is an excellent one. How is she going to take this race in? I don't think they have a choice, though, the Gosdens. Yeah, it's like the last they, thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, like, they, they want to be the Trainers' Championship winners, obviously, and this is the way the, the cards have, have, fold, have, have fallen for them. Um, but I, I don't see how you could be backing free wind with any degree of confidence. Look, the price isn't great about Jackie O., and she does need to prove that she can stay a mile four, but I'm going to go with her at four to one. I think she'll win it. Okay. A lot of respect, though, for your two selections, particularly the French one. I love that. I, I need to say it better than me. I need oh, to say it I did not say it better than you. You had sales last night, didn't you? I did. You did didn't you? I did yeah, not I say it better than you. I'm just. <laughs> yeah, all, all I did yes, was you my. Know you did. I did my hello, hello impression and went, good <laughs> morning. 
good moon. And actually, you bloody well know you said it better than me, oh. but you're just loud. Yeah, you're sucking up, so stop. And I used to do the show with Tom Bull. <laughs> Tom would just embarrass me. Yeah, He's yeah. got the perfect French pronunciation each and every yeah. bloody time. And I'd be there in the background, then going to suck it. All right, <laughs> Queen Elizabeth II stakes over a mile, and Paddington for Aidan O'Brien and Ryan Moore is the 11 day favorite. The perfect Paddington, not quite perfect after that defeat to Mustard, but I absolutely love this horse. Tahira for Chris Hayes and Dermot Weld. I would be very concerned about Dermot Weld's current form and a little bit suspect of her form too, but really concerned about Dermot Weld's form going into this. He does sound bullish though. Four to one with Chris Hayes in the place. Nashua comes here instead and there's no in spiral. Uh, Holly Doyle on board. She comes out of stall three. Very interesting. They decided to go for this race because she was really, really good in the Falmouth earlier this season, but is she going to be able to translate that into open company over a mile after two blinding runs behind Mastodaf and Augusto down over 10 furlongs? We shall see. Big Rock will be suited by the ground 7-1. to one. Factor Cheval, we know, will be suited by the ground. Uh, big old price 14-1. to one. And then there's the Guineas winner, and with no one spiral, there is no Frankie de Tory ride so he makes a call, gets Ushin Murphy chalked off, and he gets the ride on Caldean to wave farewell to the Ascot crowd until Royal Ascot comes around next year when he'll be back on board, uh, oh, waving oh, and blowing oh, kisses yeah. to the crowd to everybody. Anyway, anyway, I feel really sorry for Ushin there. That's um, that's ridiculous. Look, I think Paddington's going to take the world of beating here. That doesn't take Oppenheimer levels of intellect to say, but he loves the ground. Aiden reported him in great form yesterday. This is supposedly his final race, assuming this meeting goes ahead and everything goes to plan. And we know he'll love the ground. Are you with them or are you against them, Paul Jacobs? I think he's got a great chance of winning. I think he's been quite underrated for what he's achieved from Handicap Company to multiple Group 1s. I think that 59-day break is, is a massive plus. And we know he goes on the ground, despite the win in the Sussex States not being the greatest race uh, of all time. Uh, to hear it, yes, I agree with you. Dermot Word's stable form is, is worrying. I think she still has improvement in her. I think Nashua running over a mile rather than a mile a quarter on deep ground is the right call from John of Thady with Holly on board, but she needs to be shut away. She does have that potent turn of foot over a mile as well. But because of the long, hard season that most of the leading protagonists in the better you've endured, Abbott, I'm not really sold on them uh, from a betting perspective. I wouldn't back Paddington at 11 to 8 in any case. What about Nashua at 5 to 1? Is it worth an each-way bet? The old adage, each-way bet to nothing? I'm not really sure. I think I possibly would have an each-way bet on uh, Angel Blur, who has run all of his best races with big in the ground. But I think he's mainly, he's only going to be a place possibility. And uh, his chance of actually winning this Group 1 are quite low. So am I going to back all at 20 to 1 to get a 4 to 1 winner just to gain a place? Probably not. The other factor we have to mention in this race, Emmett, is that there's a bundle of pace on here. This is going to be an out-and-out -out test of stamina at a mile, which is further in the favour of Paddington and, to a lesser extent, Nashua. So rather like the stayers at the beginning of the card, don't really have a really strong opinion on it. I think it will be a fascinating race. Whoever wins is going to know they've been in a race at the end coming uphill in the final 150 yards because this is going to be run at a real rush of a pace. The classic generation has dominated this race over the last 15 years. Three-year-olds have won 11 of the renewals in the last 15. But the last filly to win it was minding 
back in 2016. So that's telling you how difficult Tahira's task is. Add in the stable form as well, and it becomes even more tricky. She doesn't appeal at all to me. I really like her. I think she's a terrific filly, and it's pleasing to see her line up here. You'd really like to see her come back next year and be tried over further. Surely 10 furlongs would be within range, given her pedigree. But it, it tells you how difficult it's going to be for both Tahira and Nashua. And that is making me look for something that could cause a bit of an upset. And that's not a, a regular occurrence, by the way. There's only been two double-figure price winners in the last 10 years, King of Change, and last year, Bayside Boy. But I think Caldine's been completely forgotten about. And this, could it be written in the stars for Frankie uh, oh, to, to come to come along and win? Uh-huh. But he I'm doesn't... i sick again. Oh, no. No, you could be right, yeah. He'd obviously right. have to turn it around with Paddington from Royal Ascot when he was beaten on good ground. And he was beaten fair and square there by Paddington. I mean, he absolutely buried him. Yeah, but he, he, was, he was given too hard a ride in the early stages there. He was. I mean, trumpet was was blown two and a half furlongs out, you could tell. Yeah, and... Absolutely. And he comes here fresh. He's he, huge he comes fresh, here fresh. And said. and look, Deauville, I don't know what the hell happened that day, but that's not his running. Like, it couldn't possibly be. No, and the fact that he's been off the track since then would tell you that. I believe he retires. I believe he's not coming back as a four-year-old. So this is last chance to be able to add to him. I love this horse. France has to be just a complete write-off. It's not an enormous amount that he has to find. As an each-way bet to nothing is a 16-to-1 shot, who will like the ground. He's got a very good record on soft ground. He hasn't raced on bottomless going as of yet, but he's raced four times on soft and won twice, posting his best racing post rating of 128 on those conditions. He's won twice on an undulating track, twice at this time of year. There's a lot to like about him, particularly that price of 16-to-1. So for Frankie's farewell, I'll go each-way Caldine, but I hope, I really hope Paddington wins. Fair show. Champion Stakes. I don't get this hype around this French horse. Never competed in Group 1 company, never mind win one, uh, but we shall see. Uh, 11 to 4 for Miguel Barcelona, trainer, has a 100% racing post uh, runners to form ratio, so that'll help, I guess. And um, yeah, we'll handle the ground. 11 to 4 comes out of stall 2. Uh, King of Steel, Frankie again, uh, 4 to 1 shot out of stall 1, has the fast early gate speed that I thought. <laughs> that I thought would be ideal for the Breeders' Cup, but they decided to come here instead. Last year's winner, Baybridge, Richard Kingsgood, 9-2 from Stall 8. Via Sestina comes here. Oshin Murphy on board, 8-1 from Stall 9. And then Mostadaf has gone all the way out to 10-1 to for the outstanding 10-furlong horse. That's the question. Is he going to line up in this race, Paul no. Jacobs? No, no. And you look up at the past winners of this great race, you know, Brigadier Gerard, Time Charter, Pebbles, Triptych twice. In the Groove, Rodrino, the Trioga, Bosra Sham, the great Pilsudski, uh, Kalanisi. I go on and on and on to Frankel, etc. And then you've got this Motley crew. And it's, again, it's not a great champion stakes. Uh, those people that said that Bay Bridge didn't stay in the Arc de Triomphe, that's the biggest load of bollocks I've ever heard. Because they obviously didn't look at the race and look at it again and look at it again. And there are two factors, and it was a fair six in the circumstances, uh, Emmett. There are two factors they did not bear in mind or put into the mix. One, the ground was way too fast for this huge horse, yeah? Mm-hmm. And two, he pulled like a fucking train for five furlongs. And no horse in an Arc de Triomphe is going to win the greatest race in Europe when they do that, especially when the winner we know is par excellence. So mm. Baybridge, who's always been this big, gross horse, was always going to improve with racing and with time. And because of this size of him, his front end as well, he's only going to fully let himself down when there is given the ground. And that came to fruition last year when he won the champion stakes. And I think, 
And there's no way of me knowing this, Emmett, so you can't sort of bottle me down on this, whether the trip to France and the race itself is taking too much out of him. I actually think he ran too fresh uh, in a way. Um, but if he is able to duplicate his best form and maybe building it by one, two or three pounds, I think he will retain his championship here. I think in a very poor renewal, and I can't have King of Steel on really deep ground, even though he has a similar build to Bay Bridge, but hasn't matured physically as much as my selection. I really like Bay Bridge, and I love Richard Kinsco around Ascot as well. And I, I, I'm not saying he's a good thing, but I thought 92 was too big. I had him when I did a wrap on these uh, races, and I do my SP forecast, and I had him a three to one shot. So I think 92 is one of the better value bets of the day. I like that a lot. And I like the bullishness of it too. Um, Sealaway ran in the arc and came out and won this race. So it's it's not impossible it, for it did indeed. Yeah. Um, sure. for horses to come from the arc to this and go and win. I'm sure there are other examples too, but he's the most recent one that comes to mind. I, I really liked Luxembourg for this race. I, I think what Aidan was saying yesterday is no Breeders' Cup. Maybe Breeders' Cup. It's unlikely. It's far more likely he goes to Japan to take on Equinox and then the Hong Kong Vaz. That's the, the plan with him. Uh, and that leaves Aidan O'Brien with Point Lonsdale, who, if if you and I win a considerable amount of money this weekend, we can buy yeah. Point Lonsdale at the horses and training sale yeah. next week. Send them hurdling. Yeah. We'll do a final Furlong Podcast Syndicate, shall we? Um, yeah, we'll do with, that. With Point Lonsdale uh, as the supreme novice hurdle is the target for Point Lonsdale. Got a great chance at Chelsea. But it's just, it's intriguing that he has entered, uh, both him and Aesop's Fables both entered for the horses and training sale next week. Uh, as part of a consignment from Coolmore. But I agree with you. It's not a great race. Um, Mastodaf is almost certainly not going to run. There's nothing here that inspires me. Like, King of Steel, yeah, maybe. Maybe it's his turn. I don't think it is, though. Uh, and I think you'll see the best of him next year. And I'm not even sure he's going to be a Group 1 winner. Cue him winning this by five lengths now. Uh, Horizon Dora at 11-4, to 4, no interest in that price. Um, maybe Oshin's horse, Fia Sestina, maybe. I'm more interested in the two Haggis horses, not just one, the two of them. Um, my Prospero with the first time blinkers and Dubai Honor, because he was only beaten four and a half lengths in this race last year. Comes into the race very fresh. He's been off the track for 105 days. Will handle soft ground. He's won on heavy from on his only start, posting a very high racing post rating of 128. His best ever racing post rating came on soft ground on 131. He's placed twice at the track. His best form comes yeah. on right-handed undulating tracks. He's won twice at this time yeah. of year, placed three times. He's a 28-to-one shot for a horse who was only beaten four and a half lengths by Baybridge last year. You're keen on Baybridge. Let's go Baybridge, Dubai Honor, reverse forecast, and Dubai Honor up and down the lines at 28-to-one to shoot the lights out. Well, I hope, I mean, you know, there's every chance he could reach a place. Can I just put a little bit of a poisonous start in what you've just said? Yes. Um, remembering last year's race, Emmett, you know, they raced from a long way out, didn't they? Uh, Adair, Baybridge, Hammer and Tongs from a long, long way out. Um, and I think the horses that finished third, fourth, fifth and sixth, uh, forget about Baid, um, but um, Stone Age, for example, but Dubai Honor probably more than any other Dubai Honor, he may be uh, been slightly flattered by how close he finished because he, of the third, fourth, fifth, sixth and seventh, was the one that was held up in rear. And I kind of, and maybe I'm wrong. He kind of picked up the pieces for me to finish as close as he did. Whereas Baybridge and Adair, I mean, Adair went for it a long way out, what, yeah. three out, because 
it was in their minds that they knew he, he stays a mile and a half. Um, but Adi, when he won the, the the Epsom Derby, was a horse that did with a with a turn of foot on the inside, and it opened up like the Red Sea for him. So, and Baybridge was very keen in last year's Champions League. I mean, if Richard Keenscoat can find the key to him, and maybe there isn't because he's such a bloody big bull of a horse and he's so strong, but to get him to settle, I think he'll win this, and I think he'll win it well. But it could well be that your argument about Dubai Honor. He could well pick up the pieces again if he's ridden with balls of steel again. If he's not ridden to win, but maybe ridden for a place. And if it does overly collapse again, the pace up front, he could, by the way he is tactically put into the race, he could, in theory, finish close. And he's ridden by the same man who was on board last year and the man who has been on fire this season, James Doyle. Quick mention to the sponsor of today's episode, Venator Racing Social. They are the name to trust when thinking of attending horse racing abroad. The aim at Venator Racing Social is to make the world of horse racing more accessible, giving you access to horse racing holidays all over the world, ranging from the prestigious world-renowned festivals to the more unique but equally exciting racecourses across the globe. At Venator Racing Social, they pride themselves on offering a bespoke service to all their clients, guaranteeing each and every customer an unforgettable horse racing experience with that personal touch. The team of dedicated racing and travel professionals have traveled the world attending race meetings and sporting events, endeavoring to bring their knowledge and experience to every package, thus giving you peace of mind that you'll be looked after every step of the way along with having access to the best restaurants and hospitality at each racecourse. Venator's huge range of horse racing holidays capture the imagination of racecores, syndicate members, and owners groups alike. So whether you're looking for a five-star gravy train with bells on luxury holiday or a more affordable trip, Venator Racing Social have all the options for everyone, including Irish Champions Weekend, the Arc de Triomphe Weekend, a Vienna weekend tour, which is something I'm hoping to go on. It's not really a racing trip. It's more of an equine trip. Incorporates a show and behind-the-scenes private tour of the Spanish Riding School and visits to the exquisite Christmas markets in Vienna. We fly out on Friday the 24th of November that morning. We fly back on Monday the 27th of November. And it sounds like it's going to be a brilliant, brilliant weekend. I'm really looking forward to that. Next year, they've got the Dublin Racing Festival covered, the St. Moritz White Turf Package. That would be magic. Uh, Cheltenham Festival, of course, and the Dubai World Cup. Now, is 2024 finally the year that I make it to Dubai and get to the Dubai World Cup? I know you're so anxious about that. That is your priority. Is Kennedy going to get to the Dubai World Cup? I don't know. But hopefully, hopefully next year is finally the year that I go. And who knows, maybe you will be there alongside me. Find out more at venator.co.uk. That's V-E-N-A-T-O-U-R.co.uk. Get a list at the full racing packages and indeed various different sporting packages as well. There's bespoke Formula One packages, rugby trips, cricket trips. But for us, it's all about the racing. You can check it all out at venator.co.uk. Tell them the final Forlorn podcast sent you. All right, back to the show. Let's move on to the final race. I know you've got a strong fancy for the Balmoral Handicap. I don't know who it is, though, so I'm intrigued to find out. Uh, the favorite is Royal Ascot winner Docklands for the same trainer and jockey partnership, Haley Turner. 
and Harry Eustace, six to one is the best price available. Sonny Liston, a seven to one shot. He was runner up at Royal Ascot earlier in the year. Bardar coming out of stall 12, an eight to one shot. Migration from stall 11, eight to one. Al Mubir from stall 23, 16 to one. Who do you like, Paul Jacobs? Uh, I told you about two horses before we went on air, but they're not the two. I have backed them, but they're not the one that's going to be my main selection. So I wanted to hold it back. A bit devious, a bit doctor, mm-hmm. devious. Um, I think the top two are. The handicap will go very well. Migration, uber fresh for this. Um, up to a mark of 113, which is a, a big mark to try and defy, but everything in his favour. There's five or six of these like to be at the sharp end at the very, very least. And as we always say when we, when we do the final furlong podcast, Emmett, for me, the most important thing, you can, you can say going, say trip, you can say a former trainers or whatever it may be. The most important thing when analysing a racer, whether he's uh, jumping or on the flat, is the makeup of the race, yeah? Mm-hmm. How many front runners, how many presses, how many midfield horses, how many hold up horses? There will, will be pace in this race, which will suit both Migration and Radeberg, who basically want this type of ground. Radeberg last time out when he was uh, third at Newmarket, and of course that was in uh, the Darley Stakes Group 3. The ground overnight was soft, it was no more than good to soft when he was third of nine behind Highland Avenue. Both of them will love this ground, and I have backed Migration at 16 and Radeberg at 40. So I'm in a good position. I know that doesn't help anybody listening to the final furlong podcast. And I think both will go well if they get the openings in the final furlong and a half, which is very important in the Balmoral because normally, and especially with the weather we're going to get at Asco over the next 48 hours, they could um, make the, the track smaller in width as they have done in the past few years when it's been really soft ground. So they need the luck, the rubber, the green inside the final furlong to find space to run through because that is both their running styles. But the horse I backed this morning when the declarations were made because I needed to see the decks and I've had one of my biggest each-way bets of the year is number five, Al here. Now, you remember this horse at the beginning of the season was fancied to win um, the Lincoln and was very well backed off a mark of 97 to beat uh-huh, Migration, of course, beat him. But he threw away that race because he was too fresh and he was too free in the early exchanges. And it was his first run after wind surgery as well. And the theory goes that a horse doesn't give his best until his second start after wind surgery because he doesn't want to feel the pain. He then beat subsequent Air Gold Cup winner, Wob, Wob, uh, Silver Cup winner, Wob, 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 on the 29th of April at Leicester, off a mark of 97. Was beaten only two and three quarters of lengths by Angel Bleur, who contests a group one in this um, uh, card this afternoon in a listed race at Haydock. And then after a breakaway, he needed his first run at Pontefract. He was desperately, desperately unlucky in the Coral Golden Mile at Glorious Goodwood. And then prepped for this uh, on the 22nd of September, so almost a month ago, where he actually led in a race and was beaten in the listed race at Newbury, which was the uh, Dubai Duty Free Cup stage, beaten a length of three quarters by Potmaster. He's never led in his races. He has to be covered up. He lost a shoe, a high, uh, right shoe as well in that race, which leads me to believe that was merely a warm-up for this big pot. And I think now he's got everything in his favour. His handicap mark isn't overly inviting, 105. But one, pace in the race, tick. Two, given the ground, tick. Three, can it be hidden behind by Tom Marker? No better jockey to do that in a big field handicap. Tick, drawn high, 23, likely to be an advantage. Tick. For one of the low, one of the least exposed horses in this field, bloody big, big tip. 
I love that. Um, and I'm just gonna, I'm just going to follow you in blind. Uh, has one on heavy, one on soft, one twice at this time of year. Um, goes really. It, this is this is it. This is. Uh, okay. He's had two runs on days since a run, twenty six to thirty five days. Both both times he's won, and he's sixteen to one. It's going to be one hell of a day for William Haggis. Come on, Haggis! Al Mubir, 16 to 1, is the best price currently available. Uh, going down through the list of horses for the race, David O'Mara's got a good record in this. And that, yeah, he's got a very, he's won it three times in the last seven years. Yeah, which, I looked at his as well. <laughs> Not blue for you, I looked at the other one. Well, the one that interests me is the one that's only just joined his stable, who Neil Callan is going to ride. Uh, yeah, Benetton. Benetton. Yeah, that's the one I looked at, yeah. Is it? Yeah. He has to be of interest because he was lapped on debut. It was heavy ground at Haydock. Uh, again, Haydock probably just didn't suit it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We've, we've, we've bashed them enough now. now. But he's beaten 23 lengths on his debut for the yard 21 days ago, and yet he's going to line up in a valuable handicap on Champions Day. Like Clearly, he just needed that run, and they're obviously not overly fussed about the fact that he was well beaten. And why would you put him in here unless you think he's going to be able to run well? He's 33 to 1 with Neil Callan on board. So Benetot would be the, the each way play for me, just from a purely intriguing point of view. But I am all over this Alma Beer uh, after your bullishness. I'm loving that. Uh, what is your nap of the day? Uh, it was between Alma Beer and Boissonne. Um, and I'm going to go for the French Philly because I think she still hasn't reached the heights that are. Uh, latent talent uh, shows us she could do in what I think, despite being 14 runners in the Phillies uh, and Mares, I don't think is a great remedial. And I think she'll bloody relish conditions. She's still a double figure price. She'll do for me. Gerald Mosse, great jockey, always has been and still retains that um, that ballsy, uh, balls of steel when he rides in a race where he knows that his horse has got to be held up. And as we said, in the preview to this race, he's going to have to get it really, really spot on with a small margin for error in a small window to release her, and especially she has to be cajoled from somewhere else because she's essentially a stayer running over a mile and a half. But I, I think this is her day. I'm liking that. I'm liking that a lot. Uh, I'm going to go for an each way lucky 63 and try and shoot <laughs> the lights out. <laughs> Uh, and uh, on the ground, <laughs> on the ground, we're gonna go Kiprios, Art Power, wah, wah, wah. Yeah. Jackie O, Caldine, Dubai Honor, Benetot. 50 cent each way, Lucky 63 pays 1.7 million euro. I will see you all in Dubai. I'll see you at the horses yeah, and training you, sale because I'll be buying Point Lonsdale. I, I could buy a fair number of wagon wheels without, even though they've gone an awful lot smaller than they have done they were 20 years ago. Um, but, you know, the one thing I finally say on the end of this podcast when you're looking at looking at the aspect um, the meeting, the Champions meeting, one, freshness really, really important. Two, the ratings um, basically are brought together an awful lot closer because of the conditions and because it's the end of the season as well. So don't be scared to back a horse at a price if you fancy it. And don't be derailed by what stupid people like you and me say as well. Just remember, price is key, which is why this is the weekend. Our power is going to finally win a group one. All right, on that bombshell, <laughs> we are well, done. It's... 
Um, Paul Jacobs, really enjoyed this. Thank you very much for your time again, my friend. And we'll talk to you again very, very soon. Pleasure. Thank you for listening. A five-star rating on your favorite podcast app would be much appreciated. It'll only take less than 60 seconds for you, but it makes a huge difference to us and a big help with the algorithm as well. So five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. And if you've already done it, borrow another phone and do it again. It'd be a huge help. Uh, we're back with more great content on the Final Forum Podcast very, very soon. From all of us on the team, look after yourself and each other. God bless.